Shalom, everybody, and welcome to this uh, uh, special edition again this week on the webinar of the ICJ. It's a special edition dealing with the current crisis in the Ukraine. We are going to talk about it, how it is affecting the nation of Israel, uh, the ripple effects that it has even thousands of kilometers away here in the Middle East. We are also going to speak about what is the Jewish community doing? How are they doing in Ukraine? How are the immigrants coming to Israel? There are some very special needs, uh, transports taking place right now out of Ukraine to Israel. We will speak about that. And we are very excited right at the beginning of our program. We will speak about a very unique transport that is taking place from Finland all the way to Poland, to the Jewish community to bring much needed help. Welcome again to this uh, very special webinar. If you are watching us on Facebook, there is translation available on this webinar in Chinese, in Portuguese, Spanish and in Thai language. So if you happen to speak Chinese, Portuguese, Spanish and Thai, if you prefer the translation, please go to the Zoom link that you see on the webinar and you will be able to join us on the Zoom call where you have those translations available for you. The crisis in, in, in Ukraine uh, surprised us all two weeks ago. Many even of the um, intelligence offices and uh, services around the world, they were surprised by the suddenness of this, uh, of this attack. And in particular also the Jewish community in Israel, uh, in, in Ukraine, have been surprised by this sudden attack of Russia to the Ukraine. And we have seen right now this last week a unprecedented wave of Ukrainian Aliyah coming to Israel. Now the Aliyah, Aliyah is the Hebrew word for new immigration is completely different to anything we will what we have seen over the last decades we will speak about that in a few moments because people don't have the luxury to plan and to talk to their families or to other Jewish communities how to make best Aliyah. This came literally overnight to them. There's great need there. People speak about the greatest refugee crisis since World War II. And I'm very, very glad to tell you that the ICJ right now is working on so many different fronts to be part of what God is doing, we can say, in the midst of this crisis to show love to our neighbors, to love to the refugees, love to the Jewish communities. And one of our branches that have been from the beginning been active in this uh, uh, tragedy and in this refugee crisis was our branch in Finland. Uh, not only that they generously supported financially the Aliyah uh, from Ukraine to Israel, but right now as I'm talking to you, a truck is on the way from Helsinki all the way to Warsaw, Poland in order to to meet the Jewish community there. And we are so privileged to have with us Yanis Salokangas. He's the ICJ director of Finland. And he personally is on the truck to make sure that the goods are really arriving at the right hand. Yanni, you are talking to us from which place? It's great to have you with us. Uh, great, to, great to be with every one of you. And uh, right now we are about to cross the border from uh, Estonia to Latvia. Uh, and then um, the, the, the end, end goal is to, to be tomorrow in Warsaw, Poland. So tell me, what is, what is on your truck? What are you bringing to the community there? 
yeah, so uh, we, as, as uh, it has been many times mentioned, that we work closely with our Israeli friends, with the Jewish agency. And um, basically, we got a request uh, for, for urgent needs for the Jewish community that has fled uh, Ukraine. And um, we have over, over a ton of uh, items uh, from sleeping bags to clothing for kids, clothing for adults. Uh, sanitary items, uh, all the things that a person that simply doesn't have anything uh, we're bringing for, uh, from Finland to, to, to help them this acute need that they're in right now. Yeah, yeah, the Finnish branch has quite a unique tradition here at the ICJ. Uh, this is not the first time the Finnish branch goes behind the wheel and uh, behind the steering wheel and in order to help. Uh, your branch is actually for decades involved with all kinds of transports assisting the Jewish people. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, so uh, I think that one of the, the, the main thrusts of the, of the Finnish branch has been always Aliyah and uh, since the 19 um, like basically for the past 30 35 years the the Finnish branch has been quite heavily involved in in many of the logistical transportations of uh, the Jewish people coming either through Finland or then we we've been helping in many different ways and right now we're doing one of the practical ways that we want to be you know, uh, doing doing our best what we can, and I think what I've been saying lately for for the past uh, days is that it's it's great to analyze things, but when people are in need, uh, we do we do things. Absolutely. And I remember talking to you just a few days ago, you were still in hospital coming out of a very severe COVID infection. And I remember after you, after you were over the worst and the news came in, uh, you told me from the hospital bed, it says, Jürgen, uh, once I'm out of hospital, I'm going to sit in a truck, we will bring aid to the Jewish community in Poland. Yeah, yeah, it has been uh, quite an interesting past 10 days for me personally. And uh, But yeah, when I was actually in the hospital bed, I was already arranging with our partners uh, this this transportation. And uh, thank God we're in the, in the position right now where we are about to cross the, the border with uh, Latvia. And uh, tomorrow, tomorrow we're able to bring um, all the items that we're bringing. It's, it's around nine cubic meters of, uh, of items. Oh, that's amazing. And I know you are joined by John Remes, one of the faithful ICJ uh, uh, yes. staff person. John, it's good to see you. Good to and see we, you too. <laughs> and we wish you both all the best on the way to Poland. And we hope to hear an update from you once. I think you are going to meet the chief rabbi of Warsaw and you will hand over the aid to him. So we look forward to hear a, a further report from you from Poland. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yanni, it's so good to talk to you and all the best, safe travel, safe journey all the way. You're driving thousands of kilometers and be assured there are many believers here right now on this call and they're going to pray for your protection that the Lord will be with you. God bless you and safe travels. Thanks so much. Well, we have been speaking about Aliyah and about the immigration of the Jewish people out of a crisis uh, situation. And as I said in the beginning, this Aliyah is so different to all the other Aliyah waves over the past decades. 
people couldn't plan properly, they couldn't consult with the families. This was a decision that they didn't make over many months, but this was a decision that was forced upon them, upon them literally overnight. And of course, the big institution in Israel that is uh, squarely related to the immigration and for the absorption of new immigrants coming to Israel is the Jewish agency. And we have with us today the incredible privilege to have Roman Polanski, who is coordinating all the activities of the uh, Jewish agency uh, in the former Soviet Union. He's an expert what is taking place on the ground right now. And uh, Roman, it's so good to have you with us. Please give us an update what's happening with the Jewish community in the Ukraine and uh, how can Christians help in the best way to support you what you are doing. Thank you very much, Jurgen. And uh, you know, I heard so many tragic stories during these days. And to see this video, to see this effort, mutual effort to help, is something that gives us strength and it's something very encouraging. So that's that's my take of this video, which is very moving, and thank you so much. We partnered. It, it wasn't Roman. It wasn't a, a video. We were actually talking to ah, our talking, friend talking, in Latvia. Right, it was live from was Latvia. Live. <laughs> right, right. I'm a little bit confused with all this. You know, I came from Israel to Budapest um, on Friday. Since then, I was twice in Warsaw, and I am flying to Bucharest uh, on Sunday, and then again to Warsaw, and then to Budapest. So that's a major effort of every one of us, of every Jewish community in the world and our friends, Christians and Christian Embassy. Thank you so much for this partnership. And we know that we can count on your support on every possible level, from cars to finance, to people, to be spread on the, on the, on the ground and to help us everywhere. So thank you very much. Now, speaking about the situation in Ukraine, what can I say? Um, our main efforts is to get uh, people to the border, to bring them to the border and then to fly them to Israel. Of course, uh, first they have to go to the council and uh, to have their visas. And then we already have planes which landed in Israel and we are very happy about this. As far as I know, more than 1,000 uh, new Olim uh, added to Israeli uh, population. But it's only the beginning, of course, it's only the beginning. We are deployed as a Jewish agency in four countries, in uh, Hungary, in uh, Poland, in Moldova and Romania. We have 18, um, 18 emissaries who work 24-7 around the clock. And uh, to see this, um, our shlichim without phone, it's very rare, <laughs> rare picture because all the time they answer, people call and people ask and they have to answer and they have to settle and they are in touch with uh, Jewish communities and with Jewish rabbis and with leaders of the communities trying to understand what is the situation, how we can help and how we can organize biases together with you, together with JDC and these local communities, this transportation to the border which is very difficult and you know it exactly like we know it. That, um, uh, buses are becoming scarce very much and uh, guards for these buses, you know, this is the regulation that people uh, ages 18, 60, they cannot leave Ukraine. And that's why to have drivers and to have guides, uh, guards for these uh, buses, it's uh, not an easy task. And I call this um, 
this influx of uh, immigration, uh, I call it uh, women's exodus because we see so many women there, women with small children, women with toddlers, because they left their dear ones behind, their husbands, their brothers, they're uh, left in, in, in Dnipro and in Kharkov and in Kiev and other places. Some of them couldn't go out, some of them and many of them didn't want to go out because they want to fight and they want to defend uh, their homeland and uh, that's something that should be appreciated very much. But then there's the question how we can get them to safety, to, to the place where they can um, feel that they are safe and uh, find uh, accommodation and food and uh, medicine and uh, psychological help, uh, all this what is needed. We established a base in Truskovets, which is in Western Ukraine with 1000 beds there. And we have actually two routes, two main routes. One route is on the north and one is on the south. The northern route brings them to the Poland and Hungarian border. The uh, southern route bring them to the, uh, brings them to the Romania and Moldova. And um, uh, we can say that every day we see, every day and night actually, we see buses coming and our uh, emissaries, they meet these people from these buses, then they um, put them on our buses and we bring them to our hotels, which we rented in advance. We have 4,000 beds in our hotels in this region but those um this th those beds those places are running out very very quickly we see it now about the journey this of these people it's very 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 difficult and they heard the stories look i heard the story about actually i met them two sisters 12 and 13 years old traveling 36 hours in crowded train where in this car in this train but it was supposed only for 40 people and instead of this it was 400 people there they couldn't even stand there it was crawling there and their mother uh, uh, actually sent them saying that she cannot go with them because she has elderly uh, parents and she stayed with her their parents with their grandparents she sent them to the border and we picked them to the, from the border and they went through consulate that is uh, getting visas and today they are meeting ambassador because they are under age and that's why they have to meet ambassador and hopefully we will see them in israel in coming days i see kind of um, you know motivation and unity and uh, desire to help i met in budapest one um, uh, young lady who came to um, ukraine take her parents to bring them to israel and she told me once i bring them to israel I'm coming back because I want to help. And she's, by the way, a journalist uh, in, with very famous Israeli newspapers, Haaretz and Kalkalist. And she told me, no, I have to come back. I have to help. And they have to tell the story about these people because this is something unbelievable. By the way, it's not the first time when we experienced together with you. We experienced it in 2014. And we established then a refugee center in uh, Dnipropetrovsk. Uh, it was Dnipropetrovsk, and more than 2,000 people, they went through this refugee center, but it was different scale. Now what is going on, it's a tragedy, it's humanitarian catastrophe. And of course, um, we uh, do all our efforts with all our 18 uh, emissaries, with uh, numerous uh, volunteers, which we are sending 
each day to the borders i just received a message from some girl from canada and she told she she's writing to me i am russian speaker and i participate in your camps i want to come and they want to help i'm ready to be a volunteer from canada and from different places all around the world and um i think that it's very very impressive the second direction that we are very active in is to enhance the security of jewish communities and jewish organizations in ukraine we have a security fund which was established 10 years ago after attack in toulouse and during all these years we distributed funds uh, for jewish communities thanks to the generosity of donors and organizations and you and others so we are going in 2014 we distributed to each and every jewish organization in ukraine these funds helping them to replace their cameras but by, by the way you, if you remember there was a, a um, terrorist attack in halle in germany and we helped them to change their to replace their cameras and it prevented actually this uh, terrorist to go inside the uh, synagogue so all around the world we are working when we are enhancing the security now we are going to distribute one and a half million dollars for each organization there to hire guards, just guards, because there is a lot of weapons now in the streets. And we uh, fear that there will be looting and uh, food will be at scarce. So that's the question, how we can enhance security of those who left there. And those, uh, there are people who left there. Some of them, they chose, they, 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 it's their choice. For example, I can tell you that in Dnipropetrovsk, Dnipro, Rav, Rav, uh, Rabbi Kamenetsky, very famous rabbi, he stand there with community and he sent people to Israel, but he stands there and he want to, to be there, you know, as a captain on the ship, which goes left from the, from the ship. So those rabbis and those people are there. We have our uh, local employees uh, in um, Ukraine. And in spite of this very difficult situation, they continue working and we are going back to Ukraine, we evacuated our shlichim to Poland and to other countries, but now we decided that we enter Ukraine again and we will be there helping them in Lvov and other places. So that's, uh, look, I can talk about this um, for hours and I only had time to write, to write all things which I see just for the history. But we don't have any minute, any second. Every minute we have millions of phones and millions of problems and uh, briefings for different communities and journalists uh, that we have to answer and forums that we have in Jewish agency because we have two forums every day only to evaluate the situation. Mm -hmm. Forums for different uh, groups. We have group for Hungary. We have group for and I am regional director not only for the FSU. Now I'm regional director for the FSU for Eastern Europe and from for Germany. So this whole region, so you can imagine what is going on here and but I'm very happy to be with you and I'm so grateful for your support, long standing support of Jewish communities, of Jewish life of Israel. So thank you really very much, not on my behalf, only on my behalf, not only on behalf of the Jewish agents and we have all these people whom you help. 
Well, for, for us, it's a tremendous privilege to partner with the Jewish Agency and to be part of this uh, uh, historic and biblical initiative of bringing the Jewish people back to the homeland of Israel. But right now, of course, this is a very unique crisis situation. What I know is that there are around, they speak about 200,000 Jews that are living in Ukraine. How many of them, Roman, do you believe will actually come to Israel? Will come or already came? Uh, will come. How many does the state of Israel expect in the coming weeks to arrive here? It's very difficult to estimate. I can tell you that it depends how this war will go and whether now right now we see this influx from mostly from east, from these cities of Kherson, from uh, Dnipro, from Kharkiv, and of course from from Kiev as well. But this is the this is the line Kiev and east of the of the country. If it goes to the west. And unfortunately, I don't rule out the opportunity, the, the possibility that this really will go to the West. We'll see much more. Now, you, uh, I mentioned these restrictions of 18 and uh, uh, 60. So some families, they don't want to split because we see this human tragedies when, you know, they split out and then they, um, there is a decision to stay in Poland and to wait for their dear ones, or maybe to go back to Ukraine, or to go to Israel, and then in Israel to try to connect to their husbands and uh, their uh, brothers. I uh, can tell you that our initial estimation was 3,000. Then we quickly adjusted it to 10,000. Now I can assure you that it will be more than 15,000 in this year, and only put it in proportion, last year it was 3,000. And we have more than 7,000 inquiries in our hotline for Aliyah. And many people, if, if you have, I will, I will tell you a story, if I, if I may. Yes, sure. Uh, yesterday morning, I came to Warsaw. I was sitting in cafe and uh, near, nearby was some lady also she uh, drank some coffee. Suddenly the, she turned to me and uh, she asked me, do you speak Russian? I said, yes, I speak Russian. And she said, can you help me to dial a certain number uh, in, in other another country? I said, okay. And she gave me this number. It was plus 972. Plus 972, it's Israel. So I asked her, is it Israel? And she was very suspicious. And she answered me, how do you know? And I answered you, because I'm from Israel. And then there was unbelievable story of her alone she was, she's 67 years old, her alone traveling the, the whole way to, to the border, then standing in one border crossing and uh, couldn't, she couldn't uh, cross this border because it was so crowded. So she, she uh, went to the, another cross border. And then she came to Warsaw and what she could do in Warsaw. In Warsaw, she, want, she went to the airport because she wants to go to Israel. And she came to the, cashier, you know, to buy a ticket. And then it turned out that it's $500 and she doesn't have $500. She was absolutely lost. And she prayed to God, give me a miracle. Uh, my God, give me a miracle. And miracle happened because I, as head of the whole region, was behind her. And they took her, of course, in my with my car and they brought her to the hotel. Her name is Esther. 
and she was immediately proposed to go to Sweden and to other countries, and she said, no, 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 I'm going only to Israel. She left her son in Dnipro, who wants to fight, and her daughter in Germany, but she decided that she goes to Israel no matter what. That's, that, that's the story about Aliyah, how people make Aliyah. And like you said, this is really a story of miracles. And what an amazing story that is that she was sitting just behind the, or beside the man who is responsible for all the Aliyah in, in, in Eastern Europe. And she was absolutely, and, Jürgen, she was absolutely lost. She, in this point, she didn't know what to do whatsoever. And she prayed, God, I prayed for miracle. And uh, what's happened? And her name is Esther, and we are just heading into the Purim season, and I don't think that's a coincidence. It shows yeah, that yeah. Uh, yeah. what is happening right now, like I said in the beginning, this is uh, a tragic situation, but God is working miracles in the midst of this chaotic times, and he's using people like uh, Roman Polanski in that. Uh, Roman, I, I know you are very busy, and you are running from one crisis meeting to the next, but one last question. How does this whole crisis affect the Jewish community? Unity as a whole, because I know you have many Jews that are in Ukraine. In the on the Russian side of Ukraine, you have many Jews in Russia. Is this putting a wedge between Jewish people, or do they see the uniting thing in their Jewish identity? My feeling is we are more united now than ever. The whole world, the Jewish communities of the whole world the Jewish community of Russia and the Jewish community of Ukraine. No, there is no division between them. And I can tell you that this earthquake in this uh, region, we feel wave of this earthquake ever, ever, uh, everywhere. And it's not for only, you know, uh, next two weeks or next two months. We will feel it very much. And we will, we, I am sure that we will we'll see these waves of Aliyah, not only from Ukraine, but from the whole region and maybe this is the fulfillment of all these prophecies right really this this is a hard way this is a hard way but this is what is happening we see gathering of exiles in israel and yeah, that's what happening is your help thank you yeah, and Isaiah speaks about that. He says, you know, I'm going to send the fisherman, which I believe can mean also, you know, a, a drawing in love, please come to Israel. But then Isaiah, the prophet says, but I also will send hunters. And I believe this is one of those difficult times where uh, people will come to Israel. Maybe they wouldn't have decided otherwise. But uh, this is part of the miracle of what is happening. And uh, Roman, I want to assure you, the people who are listening on this call, uh, we are not only praying, there are many people who are standing very practically uh, behind Israel, behind the Jewish agency. And what a blessing that was to hear from you that in the midst of this crisis, the unity in the Jewish community around the world is as strong as never before. So, can, can, I, can I mention one interesting fact? Yeah, As please. probably you know, in 2020, I uh, came to Berlin as a as an emissary. But then I decided that my place should be in Hungary. I didn't know about this crisis. I didn't know that I will be in the middle of this. But somehow, I don't know, maybe from above, I made this decision to be in Budapest. And I came to Budapest, it turned out that this is the exact place where I have be in order to serve Jewish people, in order to be helpful in this really biblical time, as you as you 
mentioned it. Yeah, and I remember how we reconnected after many years. Uh, we, we had a meeting in Jerusalem, and you have been talking to us on the behalf of of the Jewish Agency. And right behind you, one of your colleagues from the orchestra, I believe, in Kishinev, Kishinev, Sergei Popov was sitting there, and we had both yeah, of you playing. Yeah. yeah, this was amazing. But um, thank you so much, Roman, and uh, this is uh, very important to hear. And I want to assure you again that uh, people on this call, we will be supporting you. You know, Nicole, I, will, I want to ask you also to share a little bit about some of the other activities that are happening right now. But please give my regards to all the team on the ground. Uh, they have our fullest support and we continue to hold up your arms that you can go from strength to strength in this difficult crisis. Thank you. And um, I can tell you that I made a special effort. I changed my schedule in order to be with you. And I'm ready to make it again. So you can count on me. And if you apply and you want update sharing, you can be sure that I will do my best in order to be with you. I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Well, Todaraba. Todaraba. God bless you. Todaraba. Bye. Toda. Well, as I said, this was this was an amazing report and wasn't this amazing, this miracle that was taking place just yesterday in Warsaw, this woman crying out to God for a miracle, how, the, how she can come to Israel. And then she was sitting while she was praying right be behind one of the leading heads of the Jewish agency who opened immediately the doors for her to return back to their homeland. You see the hand of God really in that. And Nicole, we are doing so many different things I'm not sure how many different uh, frontiers and how many different areas we are working right now, but there is a lot going on what the ICJ is doing now to alleviate the pressure in this crisis. Nicole, it's good to have you with us. I know you also are very, very busy. You, you have been yesterday at the airport. Uh, you are dealing with some of the orphanages, orphans that are arriving here. Tell us what's going on. How are we helping and how can people practically undergird what's going on right now? Well, it's really good to be here with everyone. I'm really, really touched by this last story that Roman shared with us. Um, yes, you're right. I was able to be at the airport this week to welcome some of the first flights and uh, saw for myself, you know, the some of the emotion of the immigrants as they were coming. You know, there was weeping. There was kind of, I think, a little bit of shock. There's grief. Uh, there's so much uncertainty. There's people who, um, you know, like you said, they didn't expect to come necessarily, but um, are, are so grateful as well for the opportunity. And, and so I think there's a whole range of emotions right now. One of the girls who was there, they asked her, so what's your, what's happening now? And she says, I don't know. I don't know anything. <laughs> and she's just sort of doing what she can, uh, you know, thankfully with people there to tell her okay you can stay here and you can go there and there's places for people to come and land when they come to israel so they're not left completely on their own you can imagine um she spoke english but most of the people coming don't necessarily speak english or definitely not hebrew um so there's a lot of challenges for them and just a range of emotions especially the separation from loved ones 
And so, so, so before you continue, um, if you are a refugee and you are arriving, let's say today on the Ben Gurion airport, what's next? You are in a complete new country. You don't know where to go. What's happening with the refugee when he arrives today? So when they arrive, they're going into hostels and hotels that have been set aside for them to go to. They may stay there from anywhere from one to three months. I guess it depends on the whole situation uh, because everything is happening so quickly. Um, you know, usually when you make Aliyah, for those who may not be familiar with the process, you have certain documents you need to provide, different paperwork. And as Jürgen already mentioned at the beginning, this can take quite some time, but maybe not everyone has the documentation right now, and maybe uh, certain things need to be expedited a little bit. So some of that will continue once they've landed in the country. Um, and then obviously after those initial first two months, as long as everything's in order um, and they're able to complete the process successfully, then they'll be given citizenship and uh, citizens um, receive a, a kind of a assistance package for the first uh, year or so. And then um, there's, depending on the situation, there's those who might have family here and their family would help them to get started. There might be programs that they can be involved in that will help them with finding employment or, or getting into Hebrew language courses so they can start to learn the language because that's something that every immigrant receives. And so there's, uh, you know, assistance um, initially, and then eventually people need to start uh, becoming independent and standing on their own. And um, so that's, uh, there will be assistance along the way from the Aliyah um, and absorption uh, kind of programs in Israel through Jewish agency and through the Aliyah absorption ministry. And your office, Nicole, you are in a way you can say from the very beginning when it comes from transporting and taking the people to the airport, flying them here, helping them to get absorbed here in the land of Israel. That's all where you, in all those steps, you are involved, right? That's right. So um, the donations that are coming in, they're helping really from the beginning. We even have in our Slovakian branch some buses uh, that are being helping the Jewish agency to bring people out. Um, mm -hmm. Once you get across into these uh, hotels and then you're flown here. We're part of uh, helping provide the flights. When you land in the country and you need uh, kind of a place to stay and also before you land in the country, those hotels, they cost something as well over in Warsaw and those other country and those other cities. And so, um, and then in the land as well, it costs something to put these people up for this time. So this is all part of the process, what we're doing to help people by providing uh, the funding that's needed for each of those uh, stages along the way. Um, obviously, um, in general, we're working with uh, integration, different projects and programs to help people with, to find the employment, to, um, you know, when you land in a new country and you have a profession, you don't necessarily you aren't always necessarily able to use it so and that's because you maybe have to pass new certification levels or um, if you're a young person maybe you need some education or vocational training in some way and so there's all these kinds of programs that we're involved with as well or possibly mentoring um, that's needed just to to make the transition culturally practically from everything to understanding how to get an apartment, open mm -hmm. a bank account, and what the bus systems are and whatnot. So, um, 
there's a lot of things involved here. Well, but before we speak, you mentioned yesterday we had here at the embassy an Aliyah emergency meeting where we made some plans and you told an amazing story about orphans that arrived and what we are doing with them. But before we tell that, I, I just realized we have a video that is to be played about what uh, uh, is happening at the airport right now. So you get a little bit of glimpse about the scenes that are playing and unfolding at the moment here in Israel as the refugees are arriving. And uh, Kalera, can we have this video briefly? Okay, it's coming here. uncertainty, separation of families, at last they're able to come to Israel. This is something previous generations did not have the privilege of doing, and we're so excited to be a part of it. Come with me, and let's go welcome them. Nicole, you know, whenever I see those uh, images, and uh, I was several times with you and with others on the airport, seeing them arrive, arriving in the land of Israel, it's uh, such an emotional experience where you really are eyewitnesses of prophecy being fulfilled right there in front of your eyes. And I want to make sure to understand, of course, we are there at the ICJ, and we are uh, have the privilege to work there, but 
mobilize your extended hands and your extended arms towards the Jewish people uh, without your help and with all of the people on this call and I know many, many more. We couldn't do this holy work that we are doing right now. You see the impact that it is having. So already now I want to thank everybody who is standing with us. But Nicole, please tell us, this This was first of all an amazing scene again. Uh, people need to understand not everybody is allowed to be there on the tarmac. Uh, there's very special permission given to the Christian embassy to be there with government officials. But tell us about those orphans. I believe they were on one of the first flights that arrived from Ukraine, right? Yes, that's correct. So they landed actually on the flight just previous to the one that uh, you saw now. Uh, the Prime Minister of Israel welcomed them. I think that's such a beautiful thing, and it shows you how um, important the, the topic of Aliyah is and the children of Israel are to the people of Israel. And so uh, between rushing off to meet with Putin and trying to, to work out some sort of a peace deal and then going to Germany, he comes and he lands at the airport to meet orphans. And there mm. were about 100 of them that arrived. They're in the care of uh, Chabad, and they've been taken to a to places here in Israel where they will stay at least for the first month. Uh, it's not clear yet exactly, you know, because they're if Ukrainian citizens and orphans, and so all of those things are are being worked out. Um, and I will be visiting them actually next week, and we're looking to see all the needs that are there. They've been showered with love as far as clothes and toys and all of those things, but. Um, it's been a traumatic and harrowing experience, and so we're looking to see what other kinds of needs that can be met in the long term for them, and I'll be investigating that uh, more next week. So um, you, you can see, we'll see in the future exactly how our aid will play out because we want to make sure that we're doing the most effective thing and the most helpful thing. Mm -hmm. um, for now, they're, they're being cared for in one uh, camp facility and just, you, you know, there's psychologists and people there to help provide counsel. There's activities and uh, different things for them. So that's where they're at right now. And, and we'll be providing um, additional assistance as kind of second stage because the initial uh, landing point is okay at the moment. And, um, and we're just excited to, to have these opportunities to, to contribute. And like Jurgen, you've said already, to show Christian love uh, to the people of Israel in a very practical way at this time. And before I go to David, uh, maybe one last question. Another area that is really fascinating for me and, and very exciting also in the midst of this tragedy is that right now there's uh, teams of us with whom we are working together from Yad Esser from Shimon on the ground in Kiev and in other places and they are looking out and to see if there are any Holocaust survivors that had such a, a tragic traumatized history behind them to make it in a special way easy for them to return back to Israel. Can you help us a little bit what's happening there and how is the ICJ involved with that? So yeah, it's a real privilege to work with um, with Yadazil Haver on this. You know, hearing stories of Holocaust survivors who had to go down into a basement shelter, the same exact shelter that they sheltered in as a child when they were not even, you know, maybe six or seven years old, and and how traumatic this is. We know Holocaust survivors as they get older, they they kind of tend to go back in their memory and relive things that, that happened many, many decades before. And so this is a is extremely traumatic experience. 
And so we're doing everything we can to bring them out, to find them, to bring them out. As you can imagine, they're very advanced in age and it's very difficult, even health-wise, to do so. And then, um, so that we would be an expedited track through this whole process of, of the buses and getting them into a hotel and a flight. And Lord willing, um, some of them may end up in our home here in, in Haifa. And if not, then in some other uh, locations and institutions. The first ones were already uh, found in, uh, in the last day or so, and uh, we're waiting for them to arrive. So um, yeah, we just kind of waiting to see how it plays out now on uh, through the process. It takes time, like we said, in all these different stations. Yeah, I, I, just I, got a, I just got a message from Shimon actually in a, half an hour ago. He said there are right now 32 of them that are boarding a bus tonight and they might be heading out to Poland even tonight. Uh, this oh, are all the survivors, yeah. Yeah, great. So it's everything's developing very, very quickly. And um, yeah, so there's gonna be many of them, obviously uh, just uh, one stage at a time. Uh, everything's happening very, very fast on the ground. And mm. I also wanna say that the Aliyah in general, not just from the Ukraine, but also from other countries in the region is increasing quite a bit. And so this is gonna be much broader than just the Ukraine. And so this is something to keep in our prayers and in our thoughts as well. Because uh, there's really concern. There's unity between the community, but there's also a uh, a huge need. Um, you know, just in general, Israel's going to have to be prepared for for a lot of people. The the largest aliyahs are coming from former Soviet Union in general, mm. and so um, this just it will expedite it all for all the countries. Yeah, and just for everybody here on this call, you know, if you want to get behind the efforts of the Christian Embassy in this time of crisis, uh, you will see a screen right now on your webinar, and also I, I hope you will see it in a minute here also on Zoom, where you see a web link, how you can connect, and uh, of course the costs for to bring. Normally, you know, if people have this ordinary Aliyah process where they can plan ahead, talk to the Jewish agency where everything is going in a much more regular way. It is far less expensive to bring them to Israel right now. This is a crisis situation. I heard even the just the bus ride out of Ukraine, the, the prices of that exploded because the bus drivers for them, it's literally a risk of life to take people to the border. So they have increased dramatically the prices for that. So there are a lot of extra costs to so every aid, every help that you can give to us. You see here ICJ, give icj.org slash Ukrainian Aliyah. Please go to that website and pray about what you can do in order to help us to stand at this time with the Jewish people and to show them our Christian love. Now, we want to close this uh, webinar with maybe looking a little bit what's happening also here in Israel. And, and David, you know, this on the one side, you see, of course, all those uh, social needs that are taking place. But this uh, whole crisis also has an effect politically on the nation of Israel. One of the things was that the Israeli prime minister seems to be one of the few, maybe the only prime minister that talks right now to both sides. <laughs> yeah, it was quite uh, a surprise when uh, Naftali Bennett on Saturday evening, all of a sudden you, I started seeing reports that he was in Moscow meeting with Vladimir Putin who, you know, for many days, persona non grata, he's a pariah, no one meet, wants to meet with him. But Israel, you know, has a special relationship with the United States, with Europe. 
uh, even with China, and it has a very unique relationship with Russia, in part because there's been so many Russian Jews who move here and still have family in Russia. Also, the Syria conflict, there's been uh, uh, and, and other security issues where a lot of Russian troops in Syria, uh, other arms transfers to some of Israel's neighbors, I'd say since the days of Prime Minister Ariel Sharon, uh, after the Cold War, he was from Russian background, spoke Russian, and since him, he opened it, there, there's been a unique uh, channel of communication between Israeli leaders and uh, Putin over these 20-some years, and, uh, you know, Bennett, uh, you know, followed those same tracks of, of Sharon and Olmert and Netanyahu so many times to say, don't sell this missile thing here, don't do that. He went there to help open these humanitarian corridors, saying, we've got Jewish people, we want to get out, they're trapped. And it was after he went there that some of these humanitarian corridors, uh, corridors started opening, but it is still very, very risky to, to go on them. But also, you know, they have a, um, a direct communication to avoid uh, direct confrontation in Syria when Israel goes in hundreds and hundreds of times over recent years to attack Iranian armed shipments to Hezbollah, Iranian forces digging in and embedding themselves in Syria, and the Russians sort of stand by and let them do all this. And they don't want to risk that as well because it could really hurt uh, uh, Israel's security. Also, the Iranian uh, nuclear deal looks very close. It's very tempting, especially for the Biden administration right now, because the oil prices are soaring so high, rather than Russian oil, which they've cut off, why don't we just take Iranian oil, give the, you know, let's, let's do this new Iranian nuclear deal, which Israel finds very risky. And so he was there on a mission for, for, um, for Israel, but also pleading the case of Ukraine, I believe. And he made several calls back to, uh, back to Putin. Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, was also calling. So he's arisen as a sort of mediator uh, in, in this conflict. Uh, the foreign ministers of Ukraine and Russia, the highest level face-to-face -face meetings are happening in Turkey right now. But, uh, you know, Israel in a way is, is inserting itself right in the middle of this thing, but trying to do it in, in a, such a way to, what, uh, to care for the Jewish people there, to care for their own interests, and to try and de-escalate this conflict. And, you know, there are some people who, who mention also that um, the special relationship that Putin has to the Jewish community in a way puts uh, uh, Bennett in a special place. I think his favorite teacher from past, he actually helped to purchase an apartment here in Israel. Uh, some of his best friends are Jewish. So I think there is a very unique relationship between him and also people like Avigdor Lieberman, who had a very close relig uh, relationship with Putin. Yeah, I know it wasn't very easy for President Zelensky to see that, and especially he's been asking for Israeli weapons, Israel's sending in relief aid. But uh, afterwards, uh, Zelensky thanked 
uh, um, Prime Minister Bennett very, very clearly and very uh, sincerely thanked him for trying to mediate this. I think he may have had some impact on these humanitarian, uh, humanitarian corridors, although they're still very, very risky and some of them are getting shot out. They did get 35,000 out yesterday from mm -hmm. three or four of these trap cities. Yeah, and also I think today they are scheduled to that Zelensky and Putin are having for the first time a direct contact, and who knows uh, if, if uh, Bennett yeah. might have helped also to facilitate that. How else do you see uh, this whole crisis affecting the nation of Israel? Um, look, uh, you know, the um, I think the people here are ready to receive uh, these folks with open arms. It helps when there's already a lot of Ukrainian Jews and even Russian Jews that have sympathy for what the Ukrainians are facing that are going to be here to help absorb them, help them get settled. They speak Russian. There's Russian TV on the Israeli cable channels here and all. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of Russian culture and restaurants. So they'll they'll have an advantage over those who for those huge waves that first came, say, in 1991 after collapse of the Soviet Union. But uh, I think it's going to continue to um, uh, change the face of the nation. It was that influx of a lot of Russian-speaking Jew Jews from all over the former Soviet Union who had, some of them had several degrees in engineering and science and this and that, that they really fueled Israel as a high-tech nation. I mean, uh, it was headed that way, but they accelerated it very much. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of uh, Israelis like in, in the early 90s, they go and they just give clothes and food and try and help and we're going to see that but we Jurgen, we had one of our own staff members panina who runs our, our online bookstore and uh she's ukrainian and, her, and she's been talking every day with her sister i think back in kiev or somewhere in ukraine and just worrying and praying and they decided to come out and they got on a flight and they landed last night at Ben Gurion making Aliyah finally. So Panina's sister was here. I don't know, Nicole, if you witnessed that, you were at the airport or whatever, but uh, I understood it took them 12 hours to go over to the old terminal where the Jewish agency and the, the Ministry of Immigration has a processing center, a welcome center where they start processing your paperwork. And I think you leave there with, uh, you know, some sort of uh, residency uh, in your passport, and then you get your citizenship a little later. But it was 12, a 12 hour wait. The, the lines are so long, they, they beefed up the staff there, but it's still taking a long time to process these people, even once they land in Israel. And also, you know, we have Russian staff member and uh, we just can confirm what Roman Polanski shared is that our staff is really united in this crisis. We are praying for each other. We had yesterday an amazing testimony at the global prayer gathering. Uh, one of our staff members, she's actually the wife and the spouse of our prayer coordinator, Anastasia Gooding. Uh, she had a, a Russian watch that while Russian people were praying and they received a call from Ukraine. They said that we didn't believe we could connect, but we just have half an hour of time in those 107 
70 hours that we prayed uh, to join you. Is there a slot available right now where we can pray? And it just happened to be the Russian watch. So we had the Ukrainian watch joining the Russian watch. And she said this was almost a revival spirit in this meeting. There was no division in the beginning. Both sides felt a little bit tense, but very quickly the Holy Spirit moved in and they really felt an incredible sense of unity. And they were praying together, worshiping together. Both sides said, we need the recording of this prayer meeting. This was so miraculous. So uh, this is really a time of miracles, like we heard also from Roma. And Nicole, I know you have to run to another meeting. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. But uh, do you have a departing word from your side? Well, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of you for your prayers and for the, the generous support that is enabling us to do all this work. And uh, we know that you're behind us and we're so grateful for it. And it's, it's such an honor to um, represent you over here in the land of Israel. So God bless you all. And everybody, please continue to pray for Nicole and her team. They are really doing an amazing work right now in this in this crisis. Nicole, God bless you. Thanks for all the hard work that you are doing. And uh, David, um, any further thoughts on this crisis? You know, this is such a surprise for the whole world. People speak about a new world order going on. And any other comments that you would like to share? Yeah, I I, I sense there's a there's a Dunkirk operation underway it's just on land and mm. uh i know there's a lot of uh, christians helping out near these border areas We're wanting to go there we spoke to yanni salakangas our finnish director he's on his way i got a call yesterday from our national director in romania he's a pastor he says i have a bus and i have two vans and i'm going to moldova tomorrow some jews have made it out of ukraine and I got to take them to uh, Bucharest, to Romania. Where do I take them to get them to the Jewish agency? And so we started working with uh, Pavel there. And even today, we find out that the call center for Holocaust survivors that we uh, help uh, run and operate with uh, our partner, uh, Yad Ezer Lehaver, here in the land, uh, where Holocaust survivors can call and get help by 24-7 at this call center, that the Jewish agency has been so swamped, their hotline, that they're now going to use this call center that, that we run and support uh, to supplement, because uh, as Roman Polanski said, they've had 7,000 calls inquiring about Aliyah just over the last few days. And uh, as we've been online here, I think Prime Minister Bennett himself has been announcing this at a press conference that uh, a, a call center here in Israel that's operated by the Christian embassy and our, our local Israeli partner is going to be taking a lot of these calls from Ukrainian and even Russian Jews inquiring about making Aliyah. So we're right in the center of something that's mm -hmm. historic, something that's urgent and prophetic all at the same time. Yeah, and I think, David, you know, as you just shared that, this is, you know, this during this call, even things are developing. And uh, we just learned that that uh, a few moments before this call that the prime minister made a decision to use our call center. And there are things unfolding uh, as we are speaking. I know our German branch, they are operating right now, looking to operate to help to bring some people out from the area. And this is a time where we can really shine our light and, and show the Jewish people also that they can count on Christians 
Christians around the world. And we heard this from Roman and from other people. We hear it daily, how much appreciative they are on the support that they get from Christians around the world. And I think also, you know, what is really amazing for us is that to see the unity. I know you on your staff, you have Anastasia coming from Russia. We have a lady from Belarus uh, working with us for many years, another lady from Ukraine. And uh, there is an incredible sense of harmony and peace and joy among us. We all, of course, shed tears about the tragedies, but uh, the Holy Spirit really uh, gives us an unbelievable unity to be united in these times of crisis. Yes. And uh, I think, uh, you know, encouraging people to keep praying, praying that uh, more people get out. Some of these answered prayer, the lady is sitting there with a number and she says, how do I dial this? And she asked the guy who's in charge of the whole operation. That's amazing. But uh, uh, I've been praying for peacemakers to arise. And uh, even even Erdogan in Turkey is is doing his best and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and also that there'd be a deep regret among the Russian people that rise up that, that they're allowing this to happen. And there was a, one of these, uh, he was an officer in the Russian army who uh, there's a video of him actually expressing deep regret for what's happening. It wasn't forced, it was candid, it was from his heart. And uh, it was amazing to watch and and speaking in spiritual terms, may God have mercy on us for what we're doing. Because he thought that he said, we were told we're coming in to to kill fascists who had taken over the country. And he said, but when I got in here, I saw saw your boxers, talking to Mm -hmm. Ukrainian people. I I love your boxers. You have the best boxers in the world, the mayor Mm -hmm. of, of uh, Kiev is the Klitschkov puddles. Yeah, he's a former like heavyweight champ or something, and he's on there. And he says, "I knew what we were told wasn't true, and I deeply regret what we're doing." And I just keep praying, Lord, let that continue. Let even military officers fall on their knees, and and Lord, just have a deep remorse. Mm-hmm. What's going on there, and continue to raise up peacemakers who try to bring. Vladimir Putin back from uh, even the nuclear brink and this madness that he's involved in. Lord, let someone be able to penetrate mm-hmm. that hard, hard heart. Lord, uh, you you hearted in Pharaoh's heart. You can also turn the king's heart uh, where mm-hmm. you want. And we were just looking for your purposes. And we thank you for the privilege, Lord, of being able to help with this wave of the great prophetic ingathering of Israel. Thank you for all your sons and daughters who are making it safely here. Help us, help us, help us not to leave one Mm. behind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And uh, I think it's also good to lift up the local body on both sides, the believers in the Ukraine. And uh, I know we have a branch in Ukraine led by uh, our dear brother Valery. He's doing an amazing work to help his community, the Christian community and the Jewish community. And there are many churches who are doing the same. And Father, we want to lift up all the believers, the body of Yeshua that is in Ukraine right now, that you bless them, that you protect 
protect them. We ask you that you allow them to shine their light in these times of darkness, in this time of national challenge. We ask you that you allow them to rise to the occasion, that they will be seen as uh, examples, that they will be seen as people who will bring peace and blessing to the nations. And Father, I do want to bless also everybody on this call who is standing faithfully with us in prayer or also in their finances to enable us to do what we are doing. Father, I ask you that you bless them, that you bless their families, that you bless the work of their hand, that they really feel that as they bless your people, you are blessing them in return in the powerful and in the mighty name of Yeshua. And uh, in closing, I want to invite you again to, uh, into we don't do this very often in these webinars, but to stand with us. This is really an exceptional crisis at the moment where so much help is needed. And I would like to ask our, our media team to put once more the screen up where people can see how they can uh, uh, connect with us, the urgent appeal for the Ukrainian Aliyah. And of course, this appeal affects so many areas. It in includes food supplies that is coming right now from Finland. It includes transports organized from uh, Romania, from Slovakia, and from other places. It includes help with Holocaust survivors and also partnership with the Jewish agency to bring them back home here. And also here on the ground, uh, Nicole actually was heading to another meeting that had to do with the absorption of new immigrants here in the land. So there's on every front, we try to be there as your ambassadors. And we do ask you to please stand with us in this time of crisis. And any closing word from you, David? No, I'm fine. Well, God bless you all. Thanks so much for staying with us, for standing with us. I didn't have a chance to greet all the people here from our call. I see you have been joining us uh, from China. I see people here from South Africa and many other countries. God bless you and we wish you all the best and we hope we will see you next week on this upcoming webinar on Thursday. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next Thursday at 4 p.m. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on our social media pages for more exclusive ICJ content.